This morning we are ordaining and installing leaders. Leaders, an interesting concept, leadership. Warren Bennis, one of the great gurus of leadership, said there are over 360 definitions of leadership and yet no clear understanding as to what leadership is or what leaders should do. Jesus took an enormously complex concept and complicated it more by telling his apostles they had to lead. But then he said, you know that the great men exercise authority over them, and the great leaders uh, wear them down. Not so with you. Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave. So he turned them into leaders and then in their minds pulled their fangs. How do you lead if you can't exercise authority and rule over people? Well, this morning, we want to look at how Jesus took this complex situation and focused on this idea of what does it mean to be a servant leader. We actually go to Luke 6. Luke 6, Jesus had just finished healing a a man with a lame arm on the Sabbath, and the leaders, the Pharisaical leaders were outraged, and they had met together to decide, Luke tells us, what they would do with Jesus. And so Luke tells us it was at this time, it was at this time that Jesus went off and spent the whole night in prayer to his father. This is the only place in the Gospels where it tells us that Jesus spent the whole night in prayer. It probably wasn't the only time Jesus spent the whole night in prayer, but it's the only time it's recorded, which says the next thing that happened must be one crucial event. What was Jesus going to do? that led him to spend the whole night in prayer before he did it. Well, if you go to Luke chapter 6, you find out that what Jesus did is first he appointed, he called his disciples, called together his disciples, and the word disciple here is used in a more general sense, his followers, his learners, there were a large number of them, and of that larger number, he chose 12 to be the apostles. And then it names the apostles shows us how crucial this moment was and how important these people were. What the Pharisees had decided after Jesus had healed on the Sabbath was they had to get him out of here. They had to get rid of him. And Jesus said, kick in phase two. I'm out of here. You guys are going to be in charge. What does that mean? You're going to be the leaders. You're going to be in charge. You're going to be the servant leaders. What does that look like? Well, Jesus preached this Sermon on the Mount following this appointment of the apostles, and, and Luke goes on with many verses to, to repeat what we find in Matthew chapter seven, uh, 5 through 7, which named the, the famous Sermon on the Mount. Now, whether Jesus preached it twice or whether Luke and Matthew had different versions, we don't know. But what we do know is that after Jesus appointed his apostles, he said, I want you guys to understand the ground rules. This is what it's all about. This is what my kingdom is about. I invite you to read it, the sermon, either Matthew 5 through 7 or Luke's version in Luke chapter 6. A magnificent piece of literature, just a wonderful sense. It gives us a, a feeling, gives us a, a, a confident direction 
of what Jesus expected that his church would do as we exist here on day to day. But then at the end of that long sermon, that long uh, Sermon on the Mount, Luke added something that Matthew doesn't have. It's a parable. And so Luke tells us at the end of that Huh, okay, it's not up there. Well, I'll have to guess what I'm doing here. Anyway, Jesus appointed the apostles, and then he told them a parable. And what's interesting is it says he told them, well, this whole thing isn't working. <laughs> Shut it down. We'll go a different way. We don't need that. Okay, so hopefully have your Bible, because I don't want to put anything over on you. Uh, if there's a pew Bible in front of you there, you can look at so what Jesus said, let me open my Bible here, it is that uh, he told them a parable. Now, in this parable, this parable on leadership, this parable that was told shortly after Jesus appointed the 12, it's, uh, Luke says he ended it with a parable. And you notice in this parable, there are five images. There are five mini stories in this parable. Now, Luke did this also in Luke 15, where, he's, uh, where Luke tells us Jesus told them, this parable, a single parable, and then Jesus told the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. Three stories, each has a wonderful meaning, but when you put the three stories together, you find the larger parable with a much larger meaning than each of the stories independently. Same here, we have these five images, but you five images together, and, and you have a, a parable, a beautiful parable. It's a parable on leadership. So as we think about these men and women are going to come down here in a few, at the end of this message, and we're going to ordain a few of them, and we're going to induct them. Is that what it's called? Yeah, induct them into leadership. Jesus said, as leaders, this is makes you leaders and not losers. This parable is absolutely essential to anyone who wants to lead in God's kingdom to figure out what it means to be a servant leader. And the first image that he gave them, he said, uh, verse 39, a uh, it says, He also spake a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? This is kind of a... Interesting way to start. A blind man cannot lead a blind man. Jesus painted this picture. Here's a blind guy. He's saying, help, I'm blind. I need help. I need to go down to 7-Eleven and get a loaf of bread, but I don't know how to find my way. Would somebody please guide me? And he hears, feels a hand on his shoulder and, and, and a voice. It says, just follow me. You, you, you put your hand on, on my shoulder, and I will lead you, and I will lead you to a good place. So, the, oh, man, thanks. I sure appreciate that. So they're walking along, and boom, the guy falls into a ditch. And here's the blind guy laying in a ditch saying, you cruel monster. What kind of a creep are you? Here I'm a blind guy looking for help, and you lead me into a ditch. You think that's funny? The voice comes back and says, chill out, Bubba. I'm as blind as you are. So the guy says, you're not only cruel, you're stupid. I understand my limitations. I realize I need a leader. And you, not knowing where you're going, not knowing how to get there, even if you knew where you were going, tried to lead me. So the first image in this parable is someone who has a clear sense of where he's going 
and how to get there. If I said, I'm your leader, follow me. You said, where are we going? I said, to the sanctuary. You said, we're already there. How can you lead us to where we are? It is inherent in leadership that we're moving someplace. If where you are is where you were, you haven't been led. Leaders take us where we ain't. Either geographically, emotionally, intellectually. So Jesus said the first thing you guys understand, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be visionary. You've got to be thinking, where are we going next? What does God want next for us? How do we move this thing down the road? If you're blind, you may end up falling in a ditch, and that's sad. But if you're blind and you're convincing people to follow you, and you also lead them into a ditch, ditch, that's tragic. So the first image Jesus gave was of a leader who knows where she's going and knows how to get there. A leader as a guide to a better place. And then the second image is a pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after she has been fully trained, will be like her teacher. Let me read that again. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. And the operative phrase there is, will be like. Sort of raises a question. Now, I thought teachers, I think if, I, if, I, if I'm a good teacher, my students will know what I know. Isn't that what we normally think of teaching? But Jesus put a different spin on it. He said, it's not what they know. In my kingdom, in my operation, it's leader as model, as leader as how to live life. As a teacher, I not only wanted to teach my students information, I wanted to teach them how to study. I wanted to teach them the life of the mind. I wanted to teach them a life of character. I didn't want to just know a bunch of stuff. My calling from God as a Christian leader was to be a model, to help them see what it looks like to walk with Christ. One of the things as a model I wanted to teach them is that leaders mess up. Leaders need to apologize. Leaders are human. But leaders have a sense of direction. They have a passion. They know where they're going. And they're leading people behind it because people say, this is somebody I trust. This is somebody I feel like I can confidently follow. This is somebody, you know, I, in some ways, I would like to be like that person. The student, after she's fully trained, will be like her teacher. And then Jesus said, now, if you're going to be that kind of person who is a model, let me give you another image. He said, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye, when you yourself don't see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. Now, if I had a little PowerPoint, I would underline three phrases, so let me underline them for you. Brother... How can you say, brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye? You hypocrite, first take out the log that's in your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. So in this image, Jesus said, as my leaders, as those leaders who are building my kingdom, 
you also need to be a therapist. You need to be taking specks out of people's eyes. And this isn't a lecture on ophthalmology. Specks aren't real. I mean, it's a parable. You know what specks refer to, don't you? Flaws, inadequacies, inabilities. If you're going to be a leader, and you're going to be a servant leader, part of your role is to help the people you lead grow. I would like to tell you, as members of this church, my passion, my commitment, is that if I'm here one year, you will be one year better at the end of the year than you are now. If I was running, when I would hire faculty, I would say to them, my commitment to you is if you're here for five years or ten years, my commitment to you is you're going to be five years or ten years a better human being and a better professor than you are right now. Leaders help people grow. But one of the things we teach, one of the things we model as leaders is that we're taking the logs out of our own eyes. It's one thing to be the, the uh, nitpicky leader who's telling everybody this is wrong, you got that flaw, and go get it fixed. No, he says, you need to identify the specs, yes, but your task is to take specs out of people's eyes. Either to say, hey, I can help you with that, or we're going to get you help with that. This church said to Kathy, we can't train you to be a pastor, but we will help you go to seminary and become the kind of, that's leadership. That's leadership as therapists saying, where are you, where are you struggling? Where are you having problems? Where are you discouraged? Where ain't it working for you? Let's sit down and talk. That's what this whole organization is about. That's what this organization as a church certainly is about. That's what the kingdom of God is about. It's people helping people. And when we ordain these folks and when we put them in positions of leadership, that's what they are committing themselves to. Not just to push papers around and go to meetings and make grand decisions. No. That has to be done. But all that, all of that is done so that we all are becoming better people, more efficient people, more effective people, because our leaders are committed to helping us take the specs, the little ones, the big ones, the ones that are destroying our lives, the ones that are just a cotton pick and nuisance. You have any of those? Yeah. Who do you talk to? As a member of a church, where do you go? Our commitment to you? Here. <laughs> we can't help everybody. We're not all that smart. But we know people who can. So Jesus said, take the specs, but first, 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 what you model and what you, what you show people and what you do is say that before I can help you, I'm helping myself. Isn't it wonderful to sit with a counselor who, who can say, well, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you how God is changing my life. Not how I accepted the Lord 20 years ago and some great happened. But as a leader, I have to say, let me tell you something this week. Let me tell you something what God is doing right now. This is alive and active, and it's, it's a beautiful thing of growing and becoming. And, and, and that's where God is leading us. Not the blind leading the blind. 
It's the growing leading the growing to a better place. That's what churches are about, and that's what we're ordaining and, 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 and uh, inducting these people to do as your leaders, to help us all move forward on this wonderful, wonderful mission that God has given us. And then he moved from there and said, well, there's another uh, thing about this whole idea of taking logs out of your own eye. The reason it's important for us to take these logs out of our own eye is because there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree that produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. We don't gather figs from thorn bushes or grapes from brambles. The good person, out of the good stored up in her heart, produces what is good. For the mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. Wow. Now, as you try to be a good leader, as you try to be somebody who has a clear sense and a passion for where you're going and how to get there, as you're someone who wants to be a model, someone who can say, nah, I got flaws, but in these areas, follow me. I got it together. If you want to be that kind of person, if you want to be a leader who can say, I, we can genuinely help you because I'm going through an experience of God changing my life, I know how this works. So I can help you. As I take the logs out of my eye, I can help you take the specks out of your eye. But none of that works unless I'm actively in the process of becoming a good person. Lousy trees produce lousy fruit. And lousy people make lousy leaders. Jesus said the key to you being an effective leader is you being an effective human being. Oh, you can pull it off in the short run, but over time, over time as people try to follow you as you're taking them to a better place and they're looking at your life and seeing what kind of a model you are and they're seeing how you're trying to improve your own issues before you come and tell them how to fix theirs. They want to know, are you a decent human being? Are you a growing human being? Are you somebody who's fertilizing and watering your own tree so that you're producing beautiful, good fruit? And so this image is of a, uh, a leader as just as a good person, <laughs> just a good person who bears good fruit because she is taking the logs out, because she's following Jesus, and she has a passion for being a better person. That's her goal. That's where she's going. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And then Jesus said, okay, so if you want to be a leader who's a visionary, great idea. And you want to be a leader who's a good model, a good model. Some people say, man, I'd like to be like that. A leader who can actually genuinely help people grow in their skills and in their, the quality of their life. And you're a leader who's actually a good person. Jesus said, if you're going to get all those things, there's a key, key point. And then he asked them a question. How do you become that kind of a leader? And Jesus went a bit away from the storytelling and he asked this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now, I'm preparing you guys to be the leaders. When I'm out of here, you guys are going to run the joint. And I'm telling you what, 
what it's going to have to look like for you. But let me ask you a question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus said, I'm giving you two options, not three, two. One, call me Lord and do what I say. Two, don't call me Lord and do what you want. Option three isn't available. Don't call me Lord and not do what I say. You're the leaders, but I'm the king. Jesus said, that's not me talking. I'm the Lord. It's my kingdom. I will build my church. I will involve you as long as you follow me. Don't call me Lord and ignore my teaching. And then the final image, the final image in the parable said there were two men who build houses. Those who hear my word and act on them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house on the rock. He dug down deep and put his foundation on solid rock. The floods came burst against that house, couldn't shake it because it had been well built. Then there was another guy, one who has heard my word and has not acted on them, is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against that house, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Did anybody ever teach Sunday school, or when you were in Sunday school, sing that little song, the wise way I built his house on a rock, right? I remember the first time I, t- I was teaching a little Bible study up in North Philadelphia, and we taught them that song. And the kids were singing, why is I build this house on a rock? And it was all cool. And then the, and the man, the guy who built his house, and the rains came, and the house on the f- ground fell flat, and they all laughed. And I thought, what kind of demented kids are you? <laughs> you know, laughing at this poor guy lost his house? And then I read the thing, I said, oh, that's what it's about. Yeah, why did the guy's house fall down? He heard Jesus' word, called him Lord, and did not do what he said. The first guy heard Jesus' word, called him Lord, and did what he said. And he built a business. Built a life. Built a family. Built a church. Built a community. And when all hell came against it, could not tear it down. Why? Because it was built on the solid foundation. What is that solid foundation? Why do you call me Lord? Lord, I don't do what I say. The solid foundation is the teaching of Jesus' holy word. So as we ordain these folks, as we ask them to be leaders, we understand that Jesus' image presents his foundational requirements for leaders. Leaders must instantly and totally obey God's word, whether we like it or not. God quite often says stuff I don't want to do. Don't look so pious, you're just as rotten as I am. Jesus said, this ain't it for negotiation. We're not going to have a debate on this.
Jesus' essential question for leaders is not who do we lead. Jesus' essential question for leaders is who do I follow? 